Good morning, East of FloridaLA.net, and I'm Kemp Parr. This morning, my guest is Harlan Stone, the CEO of the family-owned HMTX. Harlan, how you doing? Very well today, Kemp. Thanks for asking. Hope you're well, too. I am. It's good to catch up with you. I know you've been traveling. It's been difficult for us to catch up. It's been several months since we've talked. A little background real quick. I introduced that fastly. HMTX, that's a brand name you went with a little over a year ago, and it's a conglomeration of several brands, Halstead, Metrofloor, Technofloor, and Aspecta. You're the second largest LVT producer in the USA. Is that right? That is correct, Kemp. And we're almost headed to our third birthday, actually. So we're, we're two years into HMTX, the, con- the conglomerate, and third birthday will be in June at Neocon. We kicked it off at Neocon three years ago. Okay. Well, let's catch up. Let's talk about the LVT business comparing 21 to 20. Tell us how much the market grew from your perspective last year. Well, we think the market grew a little slower in 21, Kemp, based on so much material stuck in transit. So not only do we have the supply chain disruptions of ocean freight being higher, but we actually have the ports performing poorly, a lot of stuff stuck in the ports for months, truck drivers, all that stuff has slowed the ability to deliver into the market. Demand was strong, but the supply, still dependent heavily on imports, was not able to keep up with it. So I'd say it was about a 3 to 5% slowdown for LVT in 21. All right, so let me just tell you some numbers we've got. We're working on this right now. We're talking dollars. These dollar numbers are inflated. Yes. But we think the industry grew 18%. That's all categories. Obviously, LVT probably beat that, wouldn't you say? I would think so. You know, I think we were like 25 or something in 20 and probably maybe uh, closer down to 20 in 21. And what are some of the hurdles, container costs and availability? How much longer do you think that's going to run for us? Well, the big hurdle right now is the clearing of containers at the U.S. ports. We're so behind in being able to process the containers and the returns that it's keeping the pressure on. We, We were hoping by the second half of this year, we'd see it re- a release, and we don't mm-hmm. anticipate it until now towards the end of this year at the soonest, and possibly works okay. if the government doesn't get this together on the labor issue out on the West Coast. There's a big labor issue coming due on June 30th with the International Longshoremen's Union. So we're hoping that that goes well, and that will help relieve some of the pressure for sure. Well, give us an update. I know one of the things that you closely monitor and actually have a lawsuit involved with is this whole Section 301 tariff. <laughs> Now, what's the latest on those? Well, great for you to ask, Kemp, and there has been a lot of activity on this between last Friday and up to actually yesterday. So I'm in Washington, D.C. right now, and I was uh, visiting with uh, members of the Senate, uh, House, and the uh, departments of the, of the federal government. The good news is we're going to conference. There are two competing bills that include addressing the 301s, one of them from the House called the Competes Act, one from the Senate called USICA. To resolve these two separate bills, they need to go to conference. They named the conferees yesterday at about five o'clock. We're very happy to say that two of the House members are from the great state of Georgia, and Senator Warnock will also be representing from Georgia. So Florey's going to have a loud voice in this conference, and we are hopeful that there will be resolution on the 301 tariffs legislatively from this conference. It's a very exciting time. They should be getting to work during the recess, and we expect that they'll make a decision as as early as June and, and probably no later than the end of the summer. In addition, there was a preliminary decision on our 301 litigation, and that had two very favorable results for us, one of which is that the court made it very clear that this is a statutory matter. In other words, it's not a matter of presidential policy, but a matter 
of the laws that Congress passed, as you know, back in 1974, a long time ago, and that the laws apply, and you have to follow the procedures of these laws. The second decision they made in our favor was that they failed to follow those procedures and have been told to go back and do it again and give an answer to the court by June 30th. So that's on USCR, and we wish them good luck to follow the law this time and be more prescriptive in the manner in which they execute their policies. So all of this is favorable, and the combination of the two should produce something uh, interesting. Our, our hope, of course, is for exclusions to be reinstated. It could be greater than that. It could be less. But we, we think that the middle road would be the reinstating of exclusions, and that would be an amazing uh, result for our industry and really drive the availability and price uh, competitiveness of LBT once again. All right. This is big news. Two questions about that. One, obviously, is you hope that the 25% tariff that's in play right now is taken away. And secondly, you also hope that the funds that have been paid in over this period of two, three years get paid back to the people who paid the tariff, right? Rebates is unclear. uh, Uh There's different ways they can rebate. They can rebate back to a specific date. They can rebate from uh, the beginning of a certain process, they can rebate back to the first payment date. We have no idea about that, and I really can't comment on it. Of course, yeah, uh, right. there'll be there'll be some relief, but the real answer is let's go forward. Let's look at let's look towards 2022 as the year that the tariffs are mitigated in the United States, mm-hmm. and that once again we we have not been able to cure the need to import from China in spite of all the domestic investment, myself included. Uh, we still are highly reliant, at least. 60 to 80 percent of our LVT needs will be served from imported products. Well, that certainly could change the competitive equation on uh, imports versus domestic. That We need to closely watch that. Let's catch up on a couple yeah. other things. I know we, last time you and I talked, we were talking about your house up on the hill. I think you were talking about that being opened by the spring. How's that going? So we are going to open it for an internal event in June, right after Neocon. That will be mm-hmm. its first function. But we decided to postpone our grand opening to the fall uh, out of respect for people's summer travel plans. And uh, But the building will be functional before the first day of summer, which is June 31st. So technically, we're going to make our, make our goal of having the building open and operational in the spring. But uh, we will uh, open it in a more grand way around Labor Day. And that will be a, a great event for us. The building is coming along great. Everything we hoped it would be, it is, and much, much more. Okay. I know you announced last year that you were going to start producing some product in Pennsylvania. Tell me a little bit about that strategy. Yes. So we're in northeastern Pennsylvania, the town of Pittston. It is a suburb right next to Scranton, Pennsylvania, as you know, the birthplace of our current president. And we hope to have a ribbon cutting there right around the 4th of July. So we're very excited about joining the American manufacturing community for LVT. This will be an important step for our company and for our industry. We will be serving uh, some sector of our current uh, marketplace with our existing products. And I, I hope it's only the first step for us as the need for resiliency and redundancy in supply chain is is inevitable. It is a good thing. It means you are less reliant on, on disruptive things if you can do more closer to home. Tariffs or not, we are going full steam ahead with our domestic manufacturing opportunities. One last thing before we run out of time. I know you're hosting a, an event for a candidate in Georgia. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, there's a Republican primary for the 14th district of the House of Representatives, which represents Calhoun, 
Dalton and most of the flooring industry. Later this month, a date is still being worked out. We'll be hosting an event for Jennifer Strahan, who is uh, running to unseat the current representative there. We believe that she will represent the interests of our industry effectively. So we thought it'd be a good thing for us to host that. We're probably going to look for some co-sponsors, but we're going to open it up for people to come and, uh, and meet the candidate for a very small uh, uh, donation for having a nice lunch with us. And maybe we can we can make a good competitive race and create the power of democracy, which is competitive races. As you know, in, in the 14th District, Northwest Georgia, it is a true red territory. Therefore, you Republican primary is basically the election. Turnout is usually right. not very good. So the bigger the turnout, the more democratic the response will be. So that's Jennifer Strahan, and she's running against what some people have seen as, as a little bit of a kook. It's Marjorie Green. So I think there's a lot of support from the industry for somebody that's a little bit more level-headed. So that should be interesting to watch. In a representative government, you want your member of the Congress to represent the interests of your district. And we can see that Marjorie Taylor Greene has not represented the interests of the district at all. Instead, we'd like to see a level-headed. Jennifer is an MBA. She went to Dartmouth College. She's a very bright, articulate young woman. I think she would do an amazing bit of work representing the needs and interests of our flooring community. So we support her with a, with a strong hand and uh, look forward to hosting her. She's a great lady. Yeah, when is that event? Date to be determined, but maybe the last week of the month, like the week of the 22nd, probably right okay. after the RFCI conference, which is in Sea Island, Georgia, and the primary is in third week of May. All right, Harlan. Well, it's great to catch up with you with all this news. Again, been talking to Harlan Stone, the CEO of the family-owned HMTX, and you've been listening to Kempar and FloridaLA.net.